Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. It's, it's one thing when you're preparing a message and you have like three of them. I have to get a lesson from, from Pastor Dwayne what he does with that. And so I may go three different directions, but they're all kind of bound together. And, and usually as I'm preparing, I sense what God is, is dealing with me personally. And today what I'm talking about is, what are you doing with the gospel of Christ? There's a battle for souls. There's things going on around us. Everything is vouching for your attention. TV is vouching for your attention. Pornography is vouching for your attention. Your bank account is vouching for your attention. Your family is vouching for your attention. Your business is vouching for your attention. Everything that you are going through right now Everything that you're experiencing, all the way from the national things, LGBTQ, all the way down, is really really an outcry for what are you doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And as as I was studying this, I was reminded, I was hearing a story from Uganda and um, LGBTQ has been going to boarding schools, and they're funding the movement. Over here, the issue is people believe that they were born that way. Over there, it's because they are taught to live that way. And so what these organizations are doing is they're going in and giving money to these kids. I'll give you a great example. When I went to boarding school, 50 cents was enough for a month. What these organizations are doing is they're giving these students $100 a month. And so what I'm sharing this with you is now what the schools are doing. They have this thing called Scripture Union, where it's a group of students who come from a specific church, who go to a specific ministry together. And now the battle in the colleges, in the schools there is... Does, is the gospel enough? Well, this is coming into the school. Prayer in the schools has gone up. I saw a video of a friend of mine who sent it to me and said, kids are waking up at 5 a.m. before class to pray for two hours. At lunchtime, instead of going to lunch, they're going to prayer time. In the evening, they're going back to prayer. But amidst of all of that happening, the people that are supporting the LGBTQ community are amping up their expenditure from $100 to $200. Do you see what I'm saying here? There's a correlation as the kids and the students are dedicating themselves to prayer and studying the word. There's a fear that's going on that now instead of giving the ones who are practicing 
$100, they need to entice them more to $200. Because the status they're trying to create is once you're part of this community, I'll go back a little bit here. In boarding school, you're supposed to wash your own clothes. You do your own stuff. But if you have money, you pay somebody else to do all your laundry, to do all your stuff for you. So the community <laughs> is enjoying the money. And one of, one of the kids said, I'm a believer in Jesus, but I'll take the devil's money. <laughs> and so they're taking this opportunity to get paid as they're praying for the clothes, they are praying for every shirt they're ironing, their lives will be transformed, and these kids will be restored, and the testimonies are going beyond and beyond. And I started thinking about the United States. The very first thing the enemy came for is let's take the Bible and prayer out of the school. Let's make, let's make it impossible for the people to connect with God at the place that we want to attack them the best. And then what we're going to do is we're going to introduce our teaching so they could bring their teaching in the school, but they want yours out of school. And I was talking to pastor this morning. I said, maybe we switch the gears. Instead of fighting against what they're bringing into the school, how about we fight to put the Bible back in the school? How about we fight to put the prayer back into the school? And now you can preach your message, and I can come in and preach this message, and let's see the power of God at work. These are things stirring deep within me. Because I know the enemy is offended, especially when he sees young people dedicated to the work of Christ that are praying, that are seeking God. When the Bible and the message of Christ has been taken out, now we have to declare it even in our own homes. I don't want to just exemplify the schools because I want to come back to your house. What is the gospel of Christ doing in your house? Is there evidence of the gospel in your house? Let's take it even closer. Is there evidence of the gospel in your heart? That's what I'm talking about today. I'm super pumped about it. And it's getting quieter in the room. And that's okay. Because I truly believe, you know, I, I asked a friend one time, I said, now that you have the gospel, what are you doing with this? And, and this was the answer. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> and I was like, is, is, is that the Great Commission? Is that the purpose of it? Because what I receive about the gospel, it's not for enjoyment. It's a, it's a, it's a message you're equipped with. Why? Because the message is loaded with purpose. 
that unless you activate it with your mouth, it will stay with its potential on the inside of you and never be active outside of you. It's loaded with action. The gospel doesn't employ you. The gospel deploys you. If you've been in the army, you know what that means. In some countries like Uganda, they tell you to write a letter to your family that they will give them in case you don't come back. You shoot a video. When you're going to war, (laughs) you may not return. So the plan is write something down, shoot a video, that if you don't come back, we will tell them. We can show them. And that is called deployment. You've been deployed. And I feel like the gospel to us is, Lord, if I lose my life preaching this message, it's worth it. I know there's a few amends coming, but America, you are in that state right now, whether you know it or you don't. You can sing, Lord, you are everything. Give me Jesus. But does the person next to you see the gospel of Christ in you? Are there things in the world that drive you nuts? You're like, I just want to get on the street and just scream Jesus. Are there some things deep within? Here's what it says in Proverbs 25, 25. It says, as cold water to a thirsty soul, so is the good news from a far country. You know, the term gospel is good news, but it also denotes, it doesn't just mean good news for you to hear. It doesn't mean good news for you to research. It doesn't just mean good news that you've been taught. It means good news that you are going to be compelled to speak. Good news that is going to be compelled in your own heart to walk with confidence, to walk in the peace of God, to walk in the revelation of who Christ is, to know that sickness is not for you. To know that everything that's going on that is not of God is not your inheritance. And that the enemy's plan doesn't have to come true in your life. You could be the last person in the family tree that deals with whatever your family tree has been dealing with. You could be the last person in the cycle that breaks all of what's going on. When you get the revelation of who Jesus is. And when this message of Christ that I'm talking about is really the message of salvation. It, in Mark 16, 15, Jesus says this, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. In Romans One verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Just that one portion tells you. Why is Paul saying I'm not ashamed? There was shame coming at him. He was probably being called names. I 
I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. What am I talking about here? What is Paul really trying to paint for us? There's something going on in the, in the church at Rome. There's something going on. And, and they're killing Christians left and right. And most of them are choosing to be quiet about their salvation so they can live. They're choosing not to, to preach the gospel so they can live. Isn't that a good reason? And he's saying the opposite. He said, if you choose to live so you don't preach the gospel, you are actually ashamed of Jesus Christ. You are ashamed of Jesus Christ when you choose to live. That puzzled my mind. Because here's what I'm telling you. What the gospel does in our lives and who we are, most of us spend our time in church and will never comprehend it. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, created Adam and Eve, put them in the garden, and told them, whatever you need, you shall have, eat of the tree, eat of this, but do, do not touch the tree in the meadow. Long story short, they touched the tree in the meadow, and something happened. They were separated from God. From that moment on, all of mankind was headed towards destruction. All of it. Do you know what's most impressive to me? Even after Genesis chapter 3, God is still talking to the man. God is still moving heaven and earth so that man could encounter the true place he left. God is still coming stones. Now, this is broken man. This is lost man. This is man who was chosen to live a life separate from God, but God is constantly showing up. Instant after instant. You know, fast forward for a moment. Egypt is about to go into a famine. Something is going on. Uh, Pharaoh has had a dream. Famine is going to hit my land. Joseph comes up in to preach the dream. They store food. I mean, all of the plan of God is being revealed to a people who are so far from God. God is still interpreting dreams to people who don't even have a relationship with him. An entire nation is saved because they stored food. A tribe moves all the way from Ar. Now they start, the Jews start to live in Egypt. And now the Jews are known as the people of the blessing, but they're still far away from God. They were given the, the lands that had cattle. They were, they were farmers. They were gifted. 
and they're known as the, the, you know, the people of the blessed land. What I'm trying to say here is do not mistake the mercy of God and the grace of God for you being close to God. Do not mistake the miracles of God in your life for you knowing God the way you should. I'll take you a little bit further. They thought because they were walking in the blessing of God, they carried a covenant with God. You can come to church, you can get prayed for, you can give, you can get healed, you can sing the most amazing songs, but still deep within, you won't know God. And we've made a lot of people come to church and be okay when the lights are on and the smoke machine is going and the band sounds nice. And I feel a chill go through my back. Oh, I, f- I feel Jesus. And yet you walk out those doors and your neighbor is concerned. Are you even a Christian at heart? The person closest to you at the office is wondering, if I want to experience Christ, is that who I have to experience? I'll take you farther. They in the wilderness. God just de- de- delivered them from Egypt. This was a place of captivity. That was once a place of blessing, now turned into a place of captivity. God in his mercy delivers his people again. He wants to take them to a place of worship. But because of how sin nature had overtaken them, he had to take them to the wilderness. But I want to show you what happens in the wilderness. They have a goblet of fire by night. They have a stone that followed them when they needed water. When they were hungry, manna fell from heaven. When they were hungry, God called some quail. Meat came. God is present this whole time. But the people have learned to just be at the base of the hand of God, that they think they're experiencing God. They were comfortable with the hand of God. They were comfortable with what was in the hand of God and not the hand of God itself. And so some of them began to think the wilderness was the destination. Because here's what happened in the wilderness. If I complain, I get what I want. Lord, We're hungry. Lord, makes food come. Lord, we're thirsty. The Lord makes water come. Lord, it's dark. He makes the light. Lord, it's too hot. He makes a cloud by day. And the culture of these believers in the wilderness is, if I need something from the Lord, i got to complain. 
Because every time I complain, I get an answer. And even though the initial destination was to go to the promised land, now I don't want to leave the wilderness. And the Bible says an entire generation died in the wilderness. David, that's not enough. I'll take you somewhere else. Now, these are people that were built on the, on the method of complaining for God, to re- for God to answer. When you get to the promised land, the Joshua generation, the people that know, have survived, did not know the wilderness, now are seeing a God that's going to provide for them going forward. The Bible says that when they reached in the promised land, manna ceased. There was no rock following them. There was no cloud by day. There was no fire by night. And now, when they started to ask God, we're hungry. You know what God told them? Dig. We're thirsty. Build some wells. Are these different kind of believers? The same God who was listening to complaints in the wilderness now is saying, now you need responsibility. I've wired it in so you can have it. What I'm saying is when you're you're wanting to experience God at a place that he's bringing you, Don't ever mistake his provision for knowing him. Because you could be in the wilderness, and that's not where he wanted to take you. But he's going to provide for you while you're there. You could be in the promised land, and now the testimony is God provides out of nothing. God transforms this. The, The rocks bring the water. And now you're in the promised land. And God is asking you and saying, now I need you to take responsibility. If you need food, I'm going to ask you to dig. If you're going to conquer the land, I need you to hold a spear and a shield. Nobody in the wilderness ever had to do that. Do you think if you were the Joshua generation, and you're in the promised land, you would find yourself preferring that I would rather have been in the wilderness with my parents because their provision was magical. Because what Jesus is asking of you is you need to see people saved, get on your feet, You need to see people healed, lay hands. You need to see marriages restored, begin to bring the light of Christ in within you. You need to see schools back to Christ. Mm. You have to accept the assignment. I don't know what God is calling each one of you to do, but to me, things like that light a fire in me. 
what are you doing with the gospel? There's a study that says a year, an average church attender listens to about a million hours worth of messages. A million hours worth of messages. Do you know how many messages are remembered? Two percent, less than two percent of that. Which tells you, by the time you leave this room, if it's not by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're only going to remember five percent of what I said. If you think about that, and you only go to church once a week, or you meet with your brethren none other time, you don't have the gospel in your household. You don't have the gospel in your ears. Neither are you speaking the gospel. It creates a separation between us and God. And yet, in God's eyes, he said, go ye into the world and preach, and teach, and heal the sick, and raise the dead, baptize, freely you have received, freely give. He's talking about a deployment. There's a road mine on whatever road you might be on. There's bullets coming at you. That's what the enemy is doing. The other day someone asked me, David, Why do you like to pray for people? Isn't it embarrassing when it doesn't happen? And I just looked at them and smiled. I said, I don't know whether you understand that I'm not the one on the test. The power ain't mine. I'm the conduit for the power. The equivalent is we flip the switch off, the room goes dark. Does that mean the power is not present? When you turn your faucet off, does that mean the water is gone? That's how I explained it. I said, the fountain of God, the power of God, he has said, he is in me, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So is it my purpose to release that pleasure? And he also says, I look for my word so that I may accomplish it. I dig deep. I pay attention. Maybe God is telling you right now, I'm paying attention to what you're going to say. I'm paying attention to what you're listening to. I'm paying attention if it's, me, if it's being cultivated on the inside of you. I'm paying attention if you're going to release it into somebody else's. I'm paying attention. Why? Because I want to be at every step of everything that is coming out of your mouth because I put it in there. Because I fully believe the moment I speak God's word, 
it happens. I grew up in a ministry where <laughs> that was the key. What are you doing with the gospel? What has God put on your heart? What area of the ministry do you feel deployed in? What part of your heart needs a training so you can be deployed? Church, this is not a reserve center. <laughs> this is not army on reserve. This is, this is church on mission. This is Christ established so that the world may know that there is still a God. And the moment Christ cannot be made manifest in us, then what we're saying is we're ashamed of him. What we're saying, David, I'm going to walk past every opportunity to see lives transformed because I don't believe Christ saves. I'm going to wait for Pastor Duane on Sunday morning because when he preaches, the word of God is stronger. I'm going to wait for Tiffany when she sings that song. The power of God fills the room. Does the same power of God fill your room at home when you're by yourself and you're in that place and the same need is around you and you don't know where to turn and you get on your knees and start to sing that song that you don't want nobody else to hear or read that verse or read that version that you don't understand and draw yourself in? Dr. T.L. Osborne, I liked him because he shared so many stories. He wasn't embarrassed ever talk to us and say, man, ministry will either change your life or you grow callous to it. And here's why he said this is when you become callous, when you get a callous, it's a part of your body still, right? But it doesn't feel anything. It's still getting the benefits of your nutrients, but it's not serving any purpose. When he shared this, he was talking about a moment when he went to India as a young missionary, had a message like this, felt inspired, got on a plane, went to India on the streets, laid hands, nothing happened. He runs into a Muslim guy who says, you have that book, we have this book. You talk and I talk. What's the difference? And Dr. T.L. Osborne got back in a chair. He says, if the gospel that I carry is as effective as the Quran he carries, I don't deserve to be in a mission field. He came back determined to prove that the Bible had life in it. The words in it were life. The words in it were true. And he took a whole week, rented out a hotel room, 
and stayed in there praying, singing, longing for this moment. God, can this come alive to me? And in history, he says that God visited him and told him, you know, the issue is, is you've grown calloused. And God started to work with him. And the very following year, he went back to India. <laughs> and this time, he wasn't saying, I think, I feel. Maybe the Lord is saying, maybe the Lord may not want to say this. He was walking on the streets of, I don't remember what city it was. And he was ministering to people. But now it was accompanied. There was a power and authority that he was preaching with. That everything that he was seeing, miracles, signs, and wonders, seeing people delivered. And he said, what was the difference? I had the message then. What has changed now that I can actually see what I'm preaching? What had changed for him was fellowship with God and listening to instruction. We can read Romans 1.16 over and over. I'm not ashamed. For the gospel is power. Think about this for a moment. You're walking around with dynamite worth of a message on the inside of you. Let me put it in a more better perspective. You're walking around with an atomic bomb coating on you to explode and dismantle every plan, structure of the enemy. And all you have to do is speak and be in alignment with the Word of God. And hear the voice of God. I've said this once before. Josephus writes in one of his researches, he said, Jesus spent more time praying than he did spend doing miracles. In other words, Jesus spent more time with his father, the mission giver, than he did the mission. Not because the mission wasn't big, but it's because his, his spending time with the Father made the mission seem small. So every time he's walking on the, on, the, on the streets was an opportunity for him to deliver the Father's message. Can we get so confident and say, when you see me, you see Christ? Paul says, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. When I come into a situation with you, the presence of God has come into the situation. When you get into your house at home, the presence of God is in the house. When you take your son or daughter to school and drop them off, the presence of God is at the school. When you walk into your office, you walk in and the presence of God is right there because you're there.
I'm sharing this message with you because it's bubbling deep within me. I noticed I was a, I was a wilderness believer. If something went wrong, I needed to complain to God. Because I saw it in the Bible when they complained, an answer came. But when I read in the New Testament, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. I began to see things change in my own life. I met a lady today at, at, at the service and uh, when Pastor was doing healing service, Pastor prayed for her. She fell over, and she had arthritis in her knees. And they told her that because she had had hip surgery, that she was not going to be able to do therapy or rehab because she had arthritis really bad in her knees. And I remember she was down. Pastor had just prayed for her. I went down there and just held her knees. I didn't even know why I was doing it. I just felt led to do that. And today she was testifying that she's able to go to do her therapy, do her rehab, and she's recovering faster than they thought she would be. All because, don't clap for me, this ain't for me. <laughs> I'm just trying to encourage you so you can respond to even when it looks like it doesn't make sense. Why? Because once you truly believe it's in you, then you know you've been deployed. And now you've got to release. Tell the person next to you, release. Turn to the person next to you and say, release. Let us start there. Is, is that a good place to start? <laughs> you have it. It's in you. Release. The best place to start is in your house. The best place to start is in your marriage. The best place to start is in your own life. And begin to speak to those things that have held you captive. Family cycles. Family stuff. Generational. David, in my family, we all, all have this issue. Be the last. David, the doctor said, whose report are you going to believe? David, I've been praying for years. Continue praying. I'll finish with this. I didn't even get half my notes, but that's okay. That's very okay. If the gospel is deployment, let me ask you this question. Where has God deployed you? If you're in this room and you feel like everything I, I, I'm, I'm trying to communicate, the Holy Spirit is giving you unction to respond. Stand up on your feet. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. 
I don't know if we have some prayer elders in this room. But if you're near them, would you turn around and stretch your hands over to these people that are, that are standing right now? Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. You can stop praying on your own. Holy Spirit, I thank you for these, your people, that you're stirring up even right now. That you may give them boldness beyond what they could ever have before. That as they discover what you're deploying them into, the power of the gospel, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that's alive in them now, both to heal and to set free and bring salvation is flowing like a mighty river. That their words are quickened, their minds are quickened, their hearts are quickened, Lord. Opportunities are brought closer. And those that you're calling out now in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that there's a descent of your revelation knowledge, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that it is done. Through your mighty name, Father God, we pray. Amen. Amen. And if you're here and you want to receive Christ into your heart, maybe, maybe you feel like you've been far away from Christ and you want to receive Christ in, into your heart, would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father God, I thank you for your death on the cross. I thank you for the blood that you, that you shed for me. And now I leave a life of blessing in total union with you. I thank you that I've been made new. The old is gone and the new has come. I am a child of God. I am redeemed. I am set free. And I have been made whole. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.